Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome into 11 Personnel, Nick Roush, joined by a full-time Kentucky Sports Radio employee, the media fat cat, Adam Luckett. Congrats. Welcome to welcome to the club. You know, I got kind of hashtag mad online when I saw that eight-team college basketball, um, all-SEC selection this morning. But then I realized, oh, these people are my colleagues now. I can't really go all in on them anymore i have to tread lightly but yeah man you finally made it you can't be on fox news yelling fake news media it's like dude you're kind of (laughs) (laughs) you're kind of on television using media to say fake news media so yeah you're you're a a full-fledged media member how does it feel did did you wake up feeling different on tuesday morning you know it feels pretty good man i'm not gonna lie um to wake up in the morning and know this is my job, which is something I've been doing for a few years now, but now it's actually going to pay my bills. It was, it was a pretty cool feeling, obviously something I've sought after for a while. A lot of it was in untraditional ways, but man, it's awesome. I'm really excited about the future. Um, who we're going, um, who we're partnering with, um, which we can share more later at a later time. Um, but for right now, I just, I'm really excited to stay on the KSR brand and man, keep 11 personnel rolling. Um, because I don't know about you, Nick, but this is, this is, uh, probably since I've started this, this is the most fun, um, that I've had is doing this podcast and talking ball. I think it's allowed people to get to know us a little bit better. Um, and also I think we bring some stuff that, you know, it's a little different than what you can find in other places. And I think people really appreciate that. And I, everybody that reached out to me, um, after, we announced it yesterday. I really appreciate it. I'm glad um, that you all like it. I know the way I, the way we go about it sometimes when I start getting into success rates and sack rates and talking about random coaching carousels. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but I know there's a lot of people that do love that type of stuff. And I'm glad you love it. I'm glad you listen. And, man, it's just awesome. Um, Nick, thank you for everything you've done. And I'm happy to, to be here and move forward and keep growing. Well, I, I'm happy that this move happened for you. I know few have worked as hard as you to make this happen. Uh, I mean, how long have you been just up at night, blogging away, watching God knows what, Pac-12 after dark, just so you can be plugged in. You're as plugged in as anybody. And it's only been a part-time thing. And I think nowadays uh, it's it's kind of rare to see the guy who's just like, you know what, I'm going to start a blog and then not only see the light at the on, end of the tunnel, but to reach it so – I'm proud of you for making it this far. I'm I'm happy we've been doing this because it's it's fun, um, and it's also fun to have somebody to talk with that sounds like a 60 year old with the the football knowledge you have, but actually not be 60 years old. You know, just talking about uh, Daggum Steve Spurrier back in the day. <laughs> it's the guy. That's what God put me here for, I guess. <laughs> to but, share, uh, to share, and to get to do uh, pull the curtain back on old Philip Fulmer. <laughs> show everybody what, what what's really going on back there but yeah man i i i think it's obviously a great thing it is obviously something i've worked for ever since i back in 2014 summer 2014 is when i said i'm just gonna do this and see what happens and i never would have guessed this was the route i would have took every which way but here we are man year 2021 coming off a pandemic um oh, good things in store hopefully um, for this next football season hopefully we get some butts in the seats mm-hmm. some tailgate action going on and um, another fun season because college football man usually it finds a way to deliver um, even at the weirdest of times and that's what we're here for the the important question i got to know um, were there more miller lights at chris max christmas party or bud lights <laughs> after like it got the yeah. The, the job promotion. <laughs> Listen, man. Uh, 
I, I have a pretty cool basement. I even got a Bud Light Neon down here. I've got oh, hell yeah. SEC mini helmets lining up. Three TV set up. Nice little couch, bar area. I've got a few bourbon bottles up there. But I, I don't know. I can't compete with Chris Mack's basement, man. <laughs> Louisville pays him six – or what, are you, what What does he make? Like $4 million a year uh, to have a losing record in February? Man, I, I just – I can't I can't compete <laughs> with that guy. So um, hey, I just try, try to do the best I can. Just enough, mm-hmm. enough now, 11 personnel later. Yeah, yeah. Enough 11 personnel later. In the we'll Luckett tradition, oh, tradition, we did go to Roosters to celebrate. Nice. Had a few draft bud lights up there. Now, Roosters, um, you get taller, short draft. Now, they added a few to tall draft, which is another reason why I love that place. So, instead of the uh, what was probably like 22 now, it's like 26, 27 ounces. So, oh, hell you get yeah. more bang for your buck at Roosters. And that's where I went. That's where me and Chris Mack share. We sh- we share one thing, and that's a, a love um, for roosters. So um, I like I like to think I could compete with them, but um, I saw all the video. I know that a lot was behind that. A lot long day of drinking. So I just I'm just trying to uh, trying to I guess live up to uh, his standard that he set um, for all celebrations for any type of big job accomplishment here moving forward. Yeah, first win over Louisville, first full-time job, you know, in media. It'll get there. And you know what? We're going to look back on this years from now, and they're going to be like, oh, so the guy who's, you know, in the SEC Media Days media room asking all these coaches questions, that's where we got mini Bob Holt. That's where he came from. He was just (laughs) yabbering on about Phil Fulmer, uh, drunk in Athens, Georgia, and then all of a sudden we got ourselves Bob Holt 2.0. So um, congrats. Welcome to the full-time media fam. Enjoy the uh, not having to stay up all night to to blog away at a bunch of words. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what when he's got all of his time devoted to football, the the things he'll come up with because the the one the John Summerall is the, he's your guy on your assistant coaching board. You need to keep an eye on. That was the dart on the on the bullseye. I was like, oh, damn, this Luckett guy, he knows what the hell he's talking about. So. Uh, in the eternal words of Mark Stoops, we're just getting started, bro. There we go. Absolutely. Speaking of getting started, spring football right around the corner. It's not official yet, but we anticipate the start of spring practice to be in a week. Kicking things we're off here. at the Joe Craft Football Training Facility. They had a brief uh, shutdown. They're back on campus working out. And the long-awaited arrival of spring practice it's it's finally here look at football time in the bluegrass albeit not football we can all watch yeah well, it's finally here and i guess um spring ball is obviously i i think you could throw signing day in there too um but it's a little different now but spring ball is obviously i think kind of the it's officially the 2021 season now like we've moved on the draft everybody's praying for the draft we're still waiting on this but this is officially the 2021 season we got the schedule now We've got everything. We, we know what the roster is going to be for the most part. There might be a couple more late additions from the portal um, and a, a few more transfers possibly. But we know what the team is going to look like. And now it's all about – now we set the expectations. What are we expecting from this football team this year? We know they have a manageable schedule. We know they have a lot of nice proven pieces. You look at that defense at each level. I think they've got a guy that's going to be an NFL draft pick this time next year, potentially all-SEC player. Offensively, they've got the, maybe the best offensive tackle in college football this upcoming season. They've got a pretty stout tight end position room. They've got a running back who, man, he's getting some shade now from some of these national media folks coming up with running back r- rankings. And that's going to kind of be, I think, our stick this offseason. Last season, it was, you know, we were on Kennard early saying, if he's not all SEC, something's wrong. And I think it's the same for Rodriguez this year. So you have him but you're throwing in a new coordinator in the mix. You don't have a running back coach right now. So really the expectation I think for Kentucky is, you know, obviously it's just keeping this winning thing going. And if you can find a quarterback, I think and you can get solid quarterback play and tied into that is receiver room coming on. Mainly it's going to be on two guys, the Robinson and Ali. Are they all sec type performers? Um, if they can end up being that, then I think you can picture, a top 25 potential season for Kentucky where they can go 
nine and three, eight and four, get to a good bowl game, get a win, finish the season in the top 25. I think if everything hits right, that's kind of um, the ceiling for the group because of quarterback. You just don't know. Quarterback's such a, such a big deal, you know, and the history of the program says you know, they haven't really gotten the great play here recently. So for Indeed. me, I think the expectation going into spring is um, like they got to stay healthy in certain key areas, but I think it's a team that um, if things hit right, they can definitely have um, a big season, potentially top 25 season because of that schedule uh, and because some of the key pieces they have in, I think really important positions. The thing with quarterbacks too, is the, the level of production just varies so wildly now, they've been at the four, and they've been in the basement, and they've done well despite that fact. Uh, but you just can't – you can't keep being the worst passing team in Power 5 football. <laughs> that just can't happen uh, any longer. And I do think that as much as Kentucky can lean on the running game, uh, you know, there, there will be a heightened expectation for Cohen to – get the ball to some of these guys out, especially Wondell Robinson, because right, uh, no matter – having the hometown kid who's a great playmaker, you know you you don't have this kind of opportunity for long. You got to get him seven touches a game. Right. At least. So right. that that's going to be uh, an imperative once the season begins. But what's going to be weird about this spring season is that we're going to get a lot – Like I, I'm also interested in the tone – in which Cohen talks with – because he's been a pretty uh, – in his conversations with the media so far, he hasn't had a ton, you know, aside from his introductory press conference. But he's he's drawn a lot of Rams comps. Well, he can't make those. Like, those are going to be kind of out the door. Um, and he's just going to be talking about what the guys are doing. And I, I'm curious if they're going to take the – if they're going to be really pumping these guys up if they're going to – because you don't want to oversell and underperform. That's that's key. But you also want to get butts in seats after you missed out a year of season tickets. So I'm, cur- I'm curious because t- because a lot of – let's face it, we might get to see this team twice out of their 15 practices. That's if right. we're lucky. So a lot of what we're going to determine how well spring practice went is health and what they're saying to us. So are they going to be gassing them up or, or is this – I, I don't know. I, what I do know is that the one new guy who is going to be entertaining, I think Wolford's going to have some some dynamite quotes. Um, but that's I don't I don't know how much we we, we didn't even get him that much because we're doing all the Zoom stuff. So um, yeah, it's I, I, I want to get really excited, Luckett, but at the same time, I don't know how much is going to be how much substance is actually going to come from it. It's better than nothing what we've been getting. But how much will we actually be able to discern until that spring game? You don't know. I think you brought a good point. With the coaches saying how, I guess, gushing they are, certain areas, I think that I could tell you a lot. Um, I think this team, I think the real important thing to remember is, first off, there's some depth concerns, man. Like uh, like at corner. Yeah. Well, just at corner, you, you've got Dort and Valentine, I think, are your starters. You feel pretty good about that. Mosley's probably a quality backup, your third corner. After that, man, like go if somebody gets Phillips. hurt, where are you going? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Andrew Phillips, we just don't know. He's young still. We loved him they coming like out of him. high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going to lot him and I do want to see him and Vito on some special teams, though, man. I yeah. think they could yeah. light some dudes up. Man, Vito's, Vito's going to be a fun player for the next right. few years. Right, and then, he's, he's a fun dude. Yeah, and then at you know linebacker, the surprise Jamin Davis, um, early entry. You don't have Chris Oates. It's it's you're in a bind right there. You had to move Jared Casey a position, so he's still new to this spot. Sounds like they're going to be asking a lot of the Eric Jackson young young or early in his career. So, and Brad White's a guy I love. Um, but they're going to have to do some stuff differently. You look at the edge we've talked about. I don't. I just don't think the guys are there for that pass rush like they want. So it's getting your best 11 on the field, which is probably having Tisdale and Devontae Robinson out there. So how do you kind of get creative in your sub packages? What does it look like? I think, like, I think this, like, I think White's great, but I think this year is going to tell us a lot. Like, if he's able to kind of concoct some type of mashup unit that ends up 
still being a really good defense, that, that's just only going to, I think, raise his stock even higher. Well, so deep. To that point, Luckett, I think right now, if you just looked at strengths and weaknesses of the defense, your strength in the defense over the last three, four, five years been great against the run. Um, with a Mark Stoops defense, you 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 stop the run first. You're disappointing your run fits, and then you're opportunistic. Um, with the exception yeah. well, being the Josh Allen year where you the, had a ton of sacks. The big thing is being able to, you know, play some cover three where you're dropping three deep, um, but you still have an extra, you know, you still have a, a force player in the run. Um, so it's really kind of it's big play defense. So we're not giving up anything big deep. Right, we're going right. to make teams stay committed to running the ball. So if you want to get your four or five yards, there's going to be times where they're going to give that up, where they're not afraid to get in the second and four, second and three, um, because they're really going to test your patience um, with with your play caller and with the quarterback. And they're really and they're in the, they're going to line up and be physical with you. Um, so that that's really been the, the mo for Kentucky, which I think is a smart mo. Um, especially with um, how they like to balance out the offense and defense. Um, and, so, go and, ahead. and where I get concerned out of that is that you saw at times last year, they were fine and giving up the four and five because you had a guy like Jamin Davis who could erase so much. And those four and five yard games were more like one and two yards. And then you get teams in the third down situations. You know, I can still recall a Marquez Bembry, you know, not being square in his fits and then a dude getting like nine yards mm -hmm. on a first down run. Just turn the Missouri instead. tape on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's that's my concern that I think can over time, like by the time Florida comes to town after that three-game stretch where you got a couple of bad teams in Missouri, like I think you can figure it out by then. But that's going to be that Missouri game could be frustrating Huge. again. Yeah. They don't have Roundtree. I mean, luckily he's not back. But I, I, I can see – that being a problem early on in the season. And then just the biggest thing with this entire defensive front, uh, the one thing we haven't mentioned too, is just the overall twitch, playmaking ability, pass rush. Because even though I mentioned Josh Allen's season, I mean, Calvin Taylor got a ton of sacks too. He was tied from the top of the league in the SEC in sacks. So that, that, that was non-existent last year. You got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback if you're going to have success being able to sit back and – cover three and only rushing four you just have to and i don't know there's there's a lot of inexperience with these guys up front i'm glad you brought up missouri side of josh paschal that's gonna be uh kind of the flavor of the month i think when we get in the summer is talking them up and i think that's the team i'm gonna be fading a little bit this year oh oh hell yes fade drinkowitz fade dorkowitz nerdowitz because you look at you look at last year, the power ratings, the advanced numbers had them in the 50s or 60s. Um, so they went five and five, but they won every close game. They beat LSU by four. Um, they beat Kentucky by 10, which was close throughout. Beat South Carolina by a touchdown. Uh, beat Arkansas by two. And then you look at, so they're four and oh in all their close games. You look at all their losses, Alabama blowout, Tennessee blowout, Florida blowout, Georgia blowout. They got smoked by Mississippi State to end the season. So I, I'm looking at them. I think they they maybe play with fire a little bit, and their defense had and some two dude some great. dudes on it. They lose a defensive coordinator who I really like. What was uh, the middle linebacker's name? Nick Gosh. Bolton. He's going to be a first round draft pick. Probably first backer off the board, right? Uh, Micah Parsons, Penn State's probably going top ten. He didn't play last year. Okay, but but Bolton's in that mix. He's right there with Zayvon Collins at uh, Tulsa. Um, Jeremiah with the weird last name, Notre Dame. Um, but those are the next three. All those guys are going first round. So he's a first round. I feel like Tyree Gillespie was an awesome safety. I like the I just, way that man, they I put just, a weird last name on the back of his jersey, too. You know, made things, kept things alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Wusa, it's a Wusa something. I can't think of the last, but anyway, those are the guys. And he's right there in that mix with all of them. He, he's a light he's shoe a up athletic. Yeah. He's, he's a, mm -hmm. he's a man. So you lose him, and their schedule has got some tricky points in it. They have to go to Boston College. They go to Kentucky early. Um, I just – I'm trying to see who they draw the West. They draw a &M out of the West. I just think that's a team I'm going to fade a little bit. Okay. I'm, ready, I'm really chomping at the bit to see their season total. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that – but that getting back to Kentucky, that's a very important game coming out, to, out the gate. 
Now, with Missouri, I do like their quarterback. I think Basilek has got some potential, but I have questions about the receiving core that he has. Um, I think it's right there with Kentucky as a, a whole lot of questions about who actual playmakers they have on the outside. Um, but let's let's get into just kind of position by position, Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, let's just go, we'll just talk about our thoughts going in here. So quarterback for me, it's the elephant in the room regarding the team. It's going to get mm-hmm. all the attention. Yep. It's Liam Suck Cohen, all new, the oxygen. Yep. new, 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 everything. We know Levis is coming in and he's got bringing that experience to the connection to Cohen. I think he's the odds on favorite to be QB one when the season opens. So for me, this spring, you got four scholarship quarterbacks, Gatewood, Bo Allen, Nick Scalzo, Kaya Sharon. This spring is all about Bo Allen's development. How does he grow? Is he able to provide legit competition, I think, with Levis when he comes in for the summer and when they're out there throwing with the team and then when the camp starts? I think that's what this spring's all about, is seeing how he can grow um, in this new scheme, how he you know, gels with Cohen, all of that jazz. Gatewood, I just – I just don't know, man. I well, it just seems like it's not going to click for him. But the thing, at least with Gatewood too, is you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what another coach could do for him, both positively right. and negatively. Right. I mean, this would be his third different quarterback coach. I don't know how many he had at hell. He might have had two at Auburn. I don't. I don't know what their situation was. Well, he went through a, a two play callers at Auburn. They had yeah. um, so four and four years. Gus Malzahn while he was there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe this is the one that gets things to click. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, But having that opportunity where it's only going to be two of them splitting reps instead of three with Levis, that's valuable. It is. So I'm not going to completely rule it out, even though all that it's mostly just because you can't when talking about a quarterback competition and the guy who might be the odds on favorite isn't there. I think a lot of the talk is going to be some empty calories because we're going to talk about this quarterback competition, but in the back of my mind, it's just like, this is Levis's job. Like, we can talk it up as much as we want. Um, but they got the kid for a reason. I'm still – it's going to be – so here, here, here's my question to you, Luckett. I'm Joe Kentucky fan. Let's just say my name's, I don't know, Nick Roush. And I see that this guy who only played in two games at Penn State behind a pretty bad Sean Clifford, who – in bad is also – just a good way to sum up the way Penn State played. Just average. He was season. he had, he yeah. was average to maybe a little bit above average. Clifford, like he so, wasn't great. He wasn't. He, I wouldn't say he was a bad quarterback, but he was he was just fine. Middle of the road, Power Five conference quarterback. I think he would be a fair yes classification for him. So why would I get excited about Will Levis being the starter in this new offense at Kentucky? Number one, I, he's just got experience, man. He's play, He started games. He played in every game um, as kind of a short yardage runner. Um, so, well, number one, that he's doing that year weekly, that tells me he's bringing toughness to the table. Uh, number two, he's got a big arm. So, if he can grow – if he can just grow into it, you could see it, see it with him. Um, number three is just he's been in the bright lights. And let's face it, everybody on, their, on the roster right now um, – you don't know what they're going to do, you know, when the pressure's on. At least Levis has been in that, been in that cooker a little bit. Um, I like to me, if you're asking me, I have a lot of questions. I, I don't like think, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, top, top half SEC quarterback. Um, the only question is, can you just get, you know, above 10? If you can get in the middle of the road there, you can get to eight, nine wins. You, I mean, you've mm-hmm. got the, you know, we're going to get to this guy in a little bit, but, um, you got number 24 and number 70 that can carry you a long way just mauling over people. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, see, you don't, that's you what's know. that's what's weird about this whole quarterback conversation, though, Luckett, is that the decision to move on from Grand to Cohen, you don't expect the, them to reinvent the wheel, you expect it to be better. But I, I just – I know our, our expectations are going to be inflated. Now, they can't really be worse. I mean, you can't – it's it's difficult to pass the ball as poorly as Kentucky has the last two seasons. But I do think we are just going to get our expectations up in, in the passing game just in general. There's just no way around it. 
<laughs> just well, you can't get yeah. any lower. Yeah, you just can't. And this is also why you bring a new guy in um, to bring his new ideas and to bring his his or what he looks for in a talent. So let him get into him um, the rain to go out and land some players. So he's bringing his own guy in. This is what you're asking for. It's like we are broken right now. Fix it. And he has to he fix it with probably new pieces eventually, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're asking for with Cohen. And so let's see what it looks like. Um, but I think, you know, we can we can talk about it all day. This team still comes down to who are your best players. Um, and the best, probably the best, you know, they're not Kennard's the best player, but the second best player in the offense is in that running back room. It's Chris Rodriguez Jr. Like he's Very got good. a chance to have a monster season. Um, because the difference between Rodriguez, I think, and Benny Snell is he's got that little bit more big play pop. And when you get in this outside zone scheme they're going to use, it's easier to create some explosive plays. So he's a guy, 65.55% success rate, Nick, last year, which is absurd for a running back, which is absurd for any player. Um, I've kind of done some digging, some advanced stat digging this um, this offseason, just trying to find other running backs um, who I think are close. And I'm going to write a post about this once I get some more data. But um, you look at Brees Hall, Ohio State running back. I believe he led the country in rushing. He had a success rate of 50.54%. Um, the next closest in the SEC was Georgia Samir White at 52.78%. Um, Isaiah Spiller ran for over 1,000 yards at A&M. He just a little over 50%. Tank Bigsby, who a lot of people are drinking the Kool-Aid on. And I might be one of them over at Auburn. He had a 50% success rate. Kevin Harris, who we loved had a 45.95% success rate. So on a down-to-down basis, Rodriguez is kicking all these dudes' butts last year. I mean, he's he's like – that was a year where he could have – like in a real season, if he gets the right workload, you're talking about a 2,200, 2,300-yard rusher, I think. Um, that's well, what Kentucky well, had last year and they didn't really use. Um, yeah. So if they use that this year, if those – like 65.55% – um, that's that's not that's not gonna last. Like that number is going to go down. But if he could stay, you know, if he can get if it just drops to if he's at fifty five percent, you mix it in, no negative plays with a lot of big plays. You're talking about a monster season. And you're getting potential more than first team All American a game. You know, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that was a big problem of it too. But I do I did appreciate the fact that you highlighted uh, the guy who many thought could be better than Rodriguez, Cavasse Smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. no matter how good Rodriguez is, he can't. You need something else there, and we know that Eddie Graham was really bullish on Tom McLean. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed us good things in spurts, and in Smoke's case, he, he's just he's just not yeah. been able to play a lot. You the know? question the question is like I think I can we can I think I can take a sharpie right now and I can write down Chris Rodriguez fifteen or fourteen to fifteen hundred yards, seventeen eighteen touch. 16, 17, 18 touchdowns, whatever. Like, he's going to be one of the top five backs in the country, I think. Mm-hmm. But the key is finding that second guy. You know, Smoke seems like – Smoke's the head-on favorite to get that, um, but he did not have a good year last year. Injuries obviously contributed to that. Um, he was at, like, four-point-something yards per carry. He had a 34.04% success rate. Over 25% of his runs were either no gain or for a loss. So it was real, I mean, just real inefficient. And Smoke, I think this scheme is going to allow him to um, tap into some of his big play ability, but he's got to be more consistent. We need to see him be more durable. We saw him suffer with some injuries as a freshman. We saw it again last year. Like, Kentucky really needs him. I think he he's quietly, I think, one of the biggest keys of the offense this season. If you get good Cavassier Smoke – you're going to have one of the best rush offenses in the SEC again. And then it's well, going to open up everything else for the rest of the offense. Especially because he just fits that outside zone so well. Right. Skill set, you know. Mm-hmm. So that could be huge. But part of that success, too, would be predicated on finding yourself a right tackle. And mm-hmm. you've seen Nasir Watkins. I don't know if he'll be available this spring or not. Um, it might be one of those cases, too, like it where he's there, but they're not going to put him through team. Um, he seems that he would be just based on playing time alone, that he would be the top candidate for it. But it could be a case where Jeremy Flax, who was a pretty highly touted Juco guy, uh, is getting all those reps this spring and ultimately just kind of takes over that job. 
Um, but we also had a guy like Nick Lewis play more last year with Watkins out, not necessarily play more, but at least get all those reps with the twos. So, um, you know, there, there's kind of a hodgepodge there. DeAndre Buford is a guy who was pretty highly touted at a high school. We never mentioned him anymore. He's now entering year three on campus. So uh, they at least have some solid options. Uh, it's just a matter of who is going to be the cream that rises to the crop and i don't think that's the correct idiom but nevertheless i'm going to keep saying cream rising to the crop i think it's cream rise to the top yes right cream, macho man does does cream rise like where does it rise to the top like when you pour coffee cream doesn't know it falls it doesn't get suspended maybe oh you know what it is i think i know what it is like it i think when you make butter the cream will rise to the top of your churn and you got to keep churning until it's all mixed in. I think that's where the origin of the saying. We are getting way, way out of my, uh, my wheelhouse here. You, you don't know how to make butter? Come I'm on. in uncharted Jeez. land. Where, no. where the hell have you been? You didn't make butter as a kid out in uh, I know where to go Colorado. at uh, Kroger and put butter in my shopping cart. Do you have a preferred brand of butter? I grew up on Country Crock. I did too. I think I'm becoming a blue bonnet person though. I think it just spreads a little bit better. Yeah. Do you, are, tub tub or stick though? Tub. We do stick now. We were tub, team tub growing up. See, I I was the oldest of six, Nick. We didn't correct. have time. We didn't have time for sticks at the Luckett House. We had to oh. buy in bulk. Oh, of course. That's I'm I'm the exact same way, which is why and also stick butter. I get if you're like bacon or something, you know, you just, it's already measured out. You just cut the thing, you throw it in there. Yeah. It's so hard to spread though. I like stick corn on the cob. You can just take the stick. Okay. Rub it on there. Boom. You're done. Add a little pepper. You're ready to rock and roll. That is, that is convenient. Now I did, uh, there was always a story that my mother told about, uh, her dad who salty dog, uh, if you will, you know, World War II, Korea vet, built tanks, just a real man's man, a badass. You know, that's where we got my son's name, the Duke. He was just a badass. You didn't mess with him. And they were, he was purely stick butter. Dog wouldn't eat no tub butter, which, I mean, tub butter, pretty decent. But, you know, stick butter, a little bit more expensive. And so my grandmother decided that she was going to, she was going to start buying tub butter but when he was gone, she would cut it out like a stick and then put it on the little tray that they would have back in the day. Yeah. And so she did that every day for a week. <laughs> and finally, she was just she was tired of doing all the jumping through the hoops. He was eating tub butter. He just didn't know it. And you know what? She wasn't going to keep cutting sticks. So finally, she puts the tub butter out for dinner and old Duke just lost it get that shit out of here dog wouldn't eat no <laughs> and you know what she'd had enough and of the that was the only time my mother ever heard my grandmother ever pipe back you dumb baba you've been eating this tub butter all damn week then you must be a dog and just laid into <laughs> you know what he shut up and he ate that damn tub yeah. butter so uh, i think it's empirically proven now tub butter better than stick butter it's funny you mention that. My wife calls me a brand snob because um, when we first moved in together, I was like, all right, we go to the grocery. All right, we're getting Jif peanut butter. I'm not eating off-brand peanut butter. Wow. We're getting Heinz 57 ketchup. I cannot eat off-brand ketchup. <laughs> when when I want Raisin Bran, I want Kellogg's Raisin Bran. I don't want oh, anybody else's on. Raisin Bran. Come on. Of all the things, the Raisin Bran? I love, that, raisin, oh. I love raisin Bran. Yeah, so any, but Raisin Bran, that's an easy generic man. Yeah. I remember growing up, my mom bought off-brand Oreos one time. Okay. And I thought my dad yeah. was going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> this all right, this tastes some, horrible. What are you doing? There are some things that are just going to taste better if it's name brand. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm more of a mayo guy, but like Miracle Whip yeah, is ma- better yeah. than whatever generic Miracle Whip you got. Um, the same with Oreos, like off-brand Oreos, like those are dog turds. I mean, mm-hmm. it's terrible. But Raisin Bran, though, cereal is the most, it's the easiest thing to duplicate. Like the little uh, Malto meal bag of cereal, like that stuff. I know it, what you're talking about. Yeah, like that, that stuff, it tastes just like the regular OG, but you, of all things to Kellogg's Raisin Bran. <laughs> I like what I like, Mr. Rouse. Oh, I love it. You know, us, we can be the most stubborn SOBs out there. It's just, 
you are who you are. Mm-hmm. So anyway, oh man, the back to the offensive line. <laughs> Since we're talking about food now, which is perfect segue into O line play. Yes, yes. Speaking of O line, I went through the roster. Like they're kind of slim, man. Like you look at some of these candidates for tackle. DeAndre Buford, 295 pounds. Nasir Watkins, 305 pounds. Nick Lewis is a slim 320 now. Like pictures of him, he looks like a different person from when he first came on campus at probably 360, 370. John Young, barely over 300 pounds. Um, Jake Pope's another tackle on the roster. He's under 300 pounds. At center, Quentin Wilson's at 294. Um, so we've talked about this transition of how they're not going to be the maulers up front. I think we're already seeing that happen. Um, on the offensive line. And really the tackle spot, it could go eight different directions probably. Um, but the one thing I would look out for is if DeAndre Buford's ready to go right now, he's a left ta- – like he's probably a left tackle. You could probably keep Kennard at right if he's ready to go. I think uh, it's something to watch could, for. could, but I feel like Kennard, that was probably a stipulation. Part of the deal, yeah. Yeah. You could be right. Yeah. Um, but – Really, you know, considering all things, they, they're they're a little on the light side, but they're bringing a bunch of dudes back and being light in when you're doing a little bit more moving this year. Yeah, outside zone stuff, pin and pull, all that. It, being light won't hurt you, right? I, and I'm going to listen for comments on Quentin Wilson. Yeah, he, yeah, he's that's huge shoes he's filling. He's a redshirt junior, so he's been here a while. By all accounts, he's a really smart kid. Already graduated. Uh, he, yeah, he's ready to roll, but he's that's a big thing he's stepping into. You got to do it. Right. And then obviously watching watching them at tackle, um, who, who's kind of the candidates there and how that goes. Everywhere else, I think they feel pretty good. Fortner's really good at guard. Kennard's right. a really good tackle. The Horsey-Dotson combo I thought was pretty good last year. Um, so you've got three guards ready to roll, and now mm-hmm. it's just finding that other tackle. Uh, maybe two tackles that you can play a platoon at that spot. Um, and that's really the question that and w- w- Wilson filling in for Drake Jackson. I love that. You know, every offensive line has one of these. I, I really am happy that we've got a dude from Belfry. That's going to be the, uh, Oh God, he got us a penalty. Like, cause, cause every offensive line has one of those guys who's just, you know, Stenberg took a lot of flack, but like, Dude, that's just it's the price you pay for admission you know you, you, mm-hmm. you sometimes gonna have to take those i'm really glad that it's going to be a dude from belfry that's going to be playing that role for for the cats this fall um belfry is this ways yeah, yeah. Book. i mean they're pirates for christ's sakes you know you expect right. the swashbucklers to break some rules uh, and past- he and and he's he's gifted and runs and is and is run blocking like he needs work and pass, bro, which is exactly <laughs> what you would think for for an offensive lineman coming out of Belfry. But Dotson, like that kid, could play for me on my team any day. Just mixes mm-hmm. it up, goes out there and gets under people's skin. That's kind of what an offensive lineman is supposed to do, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, defenders get they're they're worried about fighting him more than right. running after ball carriers sometimes, which is what you're what you're supposed to do. And, and I you I'll take. Um, an aggressive penalty every once in a while um, from that. You don't want the false starts. Those are the worst, the pre-snaps. The but, Jordan Swindle. Right. Yeah. But the, um, the, the some of the mixing it up, um, getting a little nasty, I think you'll take every day. And so, uh, I mean, I, it helps set the tone for everything. Same thing with basketball. Like you're going to uh, accept a dude, a shot blocker, fouling somebody trying to block a shot you're going to get ticked off at him when he's reaching in 90 feet from the basket after he doesn't get an offensive rebound uh, same thing pass interference penalty stoops is cool with some dpis every once in a while you're going to play aggressive you're going to get some penalties right it's it's, it's the other stuff that that can add up so uh but we we got to get onto the pass catchers mm-hmm. hey look at they gonna throw it to the tight ends more yeah i'm glad we're starting here this is where i wanted to start you look at the offense this year Nick, I could see where the base person or base formation is 12 personnel. Yeah. And then I could see you what the Rams did with Cup and Robert Woods is they just got in condensed formations with those guys and used a lot of pre-snap motion and all that stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if the base 11 is five offensive line, running back or Chris Rodriguez quarterback, um, two tight ends, and then up or excuse me, Robinson, Wondell Robinson and Josh Ali and just using them in different ways. And a, the reason you're going to be able to do that is because you're really strong at this tight end room. You got three guys right here in 
Keaton Upshaw, Justin Rigg, Brendan Bates that have all played, got experience. Upshaw's got a lot of big-time potential. Rigg is just Mr. Reliable, and I think we saw some good things from Bates last year. So th- these guys are going to carry, I think, a big load in the offense, and they're going to be very important in how Cohen uses them. Um, it's going to tell a lot about how the offense does this year. If they are used properly and become an effective part of the pass game, the offense is going to have a chance to be good this year, I think, if they're, if they're able to take advantage of what should be one of the strengths of the team. Yeah, and they also weren't hesitant to, to flex out those tight ends either. Um, yeah, you know, you can get creative with it for sure. Like with Upshaw, or yeah, with Upshaw, you can get 12 personnel and use him as an X receiver. Yeah, you could just line him up uh, into the boundary. Well, especially if you start it packed in, you get him on a linebacker and you can just motion him out right now. And like that's an easy, and and the thing is, at, at the professional level, I don't think defenses you can catch him playing is dumb, but like. That that's something that colleges like I don't I getting out of that when you get in one of those mismatches right you're just screwed you know so I, yeah. I could see Kentucky being able to get away yeah, with some like stuff like that early. red zone um, Trayvon Morgan could kind of fit in this but red zone if you're down there you get a team in man or whatever you can just put Upshaw out there you can run a fade you can run a slant or you can just big body somebody yeah and and here's i would also like to take the time there's this segment of the internet i think mike gullick jr he's like leading the charge i've seen a lot of people doing it that just cannot stand red zone fades red zone fades have been pretty kind to kentucky like when you've got like i'm going to take a jump ball to keen upshaw versus a six foot dude it's I would take that more than I would take a like that in a Chris. That's probably option two behind Chris Rodriguez run. After that, like the odds probably aren't that much. They're probably worse for every other play. Like I, that's a pretty efficient play if thrown to the right person. Now, if we get into like throwing fades at Josh Ali, that might be a different story. I mean, right, perfectly thrown pass. But when you've got big dudes out there who can just body people. That uh, the stop the fades at the goal line. I understand it if you're just casually watching, but from Kentucky's perspective, it's been. I mean, Kentucky ain't beating Missouri back in 18 if they aren't throwing goal line fades to Ahmad Wagner, you know. Gotta have the personnel to do it, you know. And I think Upshaw, I'm very interested to see how Cohen we scheme stuff up. We mentioned Ali and Robinson kind of getting them out in space. I think Upshaw goes right there. You He's a guy you just have to take advantage of. You saw Kentucky really lean into him late in the season, and he had some good moments. So I just he's got to be a real integral part of this offense. I think for them to reach their ceiling and to really be successful, I think he number eighty eight's got to be a huge part in it. And you got to really take ultimately being the biggest benefactor from this change. Yeah, Uh, you know now they didn't use the tight ends a whole lot at the Rams, but part of this NFL thing is. matchups base and you get a roster and figuring out how to attack that's what you hope cohen is bringing um, problem solving skills with your personnel figuring out how to attack different people different ways and when you look at the personnel this year you got a, a strong running back you got a potential mismatch at tight end and then you got two shifty wide receivers who probably best out of the slot so how do you go about attacking foes with that, those guys and getting them the ball in the right spots so they can make plays for you move chains and score points. Um, so figuring out how to properly use Upshaw is going to be huge. Um, really, the only time we're going to see it in the spring is potentially in a spring game, see maybe some different ways they might use them. And really in the spring game, I'm looking at some of the pre-snap stuff. How much motion are they using? What kind of formations are they in? Um, personnel groupings, all of that. That's something I'm really going to look Ooh. closely at because I think pre-snap motion with these two shifty receivers is going to be – Super, super important, and maybe some condensed formations because you got to get teams out of man. You're going to need to get them in zone um, so you can get some, you know, pre-snap reads and some easier decisions for a young quarterback and to get the ball um, to your big tight end or to um, some of your shifty guys in some space. Who gets more spring game touches, Keaton Upshaw or Wondell Robinson? Ah, uh, Wondell. I think that's going to be kind of a showcase. Kentucky kid, they're going to get yeah, him the ball in different play ways. More than a quarter. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. 
Lynn Bowden didn't get too many spring touches. Just something to consider. Let's go it's to the different. Defense. It was different, though. Yeah, I think Bowden, this is kind of a Bowden had been there a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Would you like to start from the big, big and go to the skinny boys or other way down? I don't care either way. Uh, let's let's start with the DBs, shall we? Yeah, just first on receiver. Like, we got two. It's just, does anybody else pop up? Do we hear the coaches talk up any of these upperclassmen? Epps, Daly, mm-hmm. maybe one of the freshmen, Cummings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Drennan. Yeah. You know, can't, there's a lot unknown. Let's see if anything um, gets thrown out. Snoops threw out Tay Tay Crooms, which I thought was a pretty big surprise. Um, They're right after the Cohen hiring. So, yeah, just keep an eye on that. But, yeah, let's move. Let's move over to the defense. I, yeah, let's start with the three down. Let's start with the big boys. Okay, okay. Because the class of 2020 was hyped up for good reason. They kicked butt recruiting that defensive line. Now you look at some of the parchers, it's now. Like, they need these guys to produce right now. And so watching them and their growth and how they use them and how Anwar Stewart gets them going, I think, is an important part. Because Josh Pascal has got potential – draft pick all sec potential if he stays healthy last year i think he's probably first team all sec guy um, but he just got banged up and he wasn't the same after that after that and then in the bowl game he looked more like himself um, had a little bit more spring but after that man it's justin rogers josiah hayes what can you give them they need those specifically specifically those two i think to really um, step up and start playing to that recruiting ranking did you hear that uh Josiah Hayes is locker mates with Wilson Berry. Just imagine, <laughs> imagine overhearing those conversations. Well, it must be two ninety nines, I guess. In Hayes ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's supposed Hayes to be like a ninety seven or ninety eight or something like that. But ju- I mean, it was you know, you got your Barry with the Aussie, and then oh, yeah, the two probably the two biggest accents on the team. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, he's up there with the most- Dotson. Mississippi, uh, there's no more Mississippi person than Josiah Hayes. And yeah, very joking. Like, yeah, we got to have a third person to translate our conversation. <laughs> That's funny, man. Oh, that is funny. But uh, you're, I also wonder if a guy like Aboule, who's been kind of a project, you know, I get, I'm not going to lie, I get my, feel. he was good in 2019, I thought. And I think he was injured a little bit last year. Yeah, I think so. Might have had COVID there. Um, so if he can play that three, and help the other guys come yeah. along. That I think that'll be important because that's that's really the spot of concern. You and you don't know. Like I always thought, Rogers was too explosive to play nose. I thought he was better served as a three tech. But it sounds like they're going to keep him there at nose. It seems like they're just loading up. They're keeping their talent at nose instead of spreading the wealth. So it would be a situation where Abule would give Ox time to kind of work his way in um, and and become a regular part of that. Uh, but just, it's like the same thing with quarterbacks. You just don't know until they're out there. The The difference being that these guys are ranked a little, a, a lot higher and I think have a lot more upside, but they're also young. So it's a matter of being down in and down out kind of guys. Um, and th- luckily you've got a guy like Josh Pascal in that room to kind of uh, keep him reined in. And you really need a big year from Josh Pascal. Like, don't, and Marquand McCall, yeah. he's big too, part of this. Yeah. They need him to step up to the plate. Pascal, you'd like him to stay healthy. He's good. I think Abule, he brings some length to the position that they really don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really the only guy, you know, he's over 6'4". You know, he comes in at 6'6". Six, six, and a lot of these guys, hey, 6'3", Roger 6'3", Ox 6'1". Marquand McCall's like right around 6'1". So they need some length. I think Abule's going to be a big part of that. I think he's an important piece in this. But, yeah, you just really need – to find ways, I think, to get Rodgers in Hayes on the field. I think those are the two. Those are the guys you really need to step up. Um, and finding ways for them to contribute, I think, is going to be a big part. I think you should feel good about McCall and Pascal. If you can get a couple more guys, maybe it's Isaiah Gibson who surprises, um, takes a step. Um, but, yeah, that's – the potential is there for that to be a really good unit. You're just getting that getting that group to play to its potential. And that's why that this spring is important. Right. Um, you know, it might, it might not manifest right away, but it'll be important in the long run. We might be writing stories, you know, two years from now about that spring where they all turned it on, that kind of deal. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to wait and see. Linebackers from the edges to the insides. A lot of uncertainty, Luckett. Uh, yep. A lot of kind of 
moving parts because J.J. Weaver, he won't be available this spring. It sounds like they're kind of targeting him to be back this year. They needs to be the case because he did play so well uh, for them as a redshirt freshman. Um, but and, and you've got Jordan Wright back, but Wright's been inconsistent. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you don't – what else do you have? <laughs> I mean, you don't – Yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot of experience there at the outside, and you can almost say the same thing about the inside. You get DeAndre Square, and then it's a bunch of guys who have played some, um, but but not not really a whole lot, and you, you need guys to, to step it up this spring. To start with the edge, Jordan Wright was a player I wrote about, kind of guys to look, make a potential jump. The numbers just – he's got numbers where he's – getting interceptions, he's got a few sacks, um, he's forced, you know, a handful of fumbles, so he's kind of providing the havoc. It's just, can you put it all together? If he can put it all together, that's a guy who's going to be a really good player, and then it, it totally changes your defense, I think. If he can put it all together, and then you get Weaver back, and you got two dudes out there on the edge, it totally changes everything. It's just, can he do it? I think it's a really big spring for him. to Because we've heard this from the beginning with him, it's all about kind of the consistency. Yes. And, and that on play that. in the bowl game, perfect example, right? It is just, it is just J- Jordan Wright's fourth career, down. fourth and in, in goal. And if you make a play, you ba- you basically end the game's the game over. In the second half, yeah, runs a twist, perfect call, perfect time. He's in perfect position. And then he gets greedy instead of just doing yeah. the right thing. He gets a little over aggressive and he doesn't finish the play. Yeah. Got springs free and throws a touchdown. And that, that play drove me insane. Yeah. Because it was, it was just, it was, that was their first touchdown too. Well, I think it was 13 row beginning of the fourth quarter. Sounds right. Oh, so yeah. frustrating. Because you get a stop there, you go down and score ball game. Yeah. And you, you might pitch a shutout. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of right in a nutshell where he's, he finds himself in the right place at the right time. Doesn't always finish. Um, so we, I, 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 you've also seen him make some plays, like he had a big sack in the Tennessee game to kind of officially make that a blowout where he he just whoop, he just whoops Wanya Morris who just transferred to Oklahoma on a speed rush mm-hmm. and drills Garantano. It's a pick See, six against Mississippi State where, I mean, it was right place, right time, yeah. but still. like Yeah, but he was really good against Mississippi State because yeah. they used him in drops. He played in space. Um, the Missouri, in 2019, he has the sack fumble before half um, that lets Kentucky extend that lead, I think, out to three possessions, and then essentially the game's over um, with the rain when they when he makes that play. Um, he's a guy, I think, if, if in a perfect world, if Weaver was ready, they'd be sliding right over to Sam take Boogie Watson's place um, because that's more of a position where you're playing in space a little bit more often. You're playing some off-ball stuff too, um, whereas Jack, you're pretty much on the on the line on the weak side mm-hmm. um, on every snap almost, where Sam, you're playing a little bit more off-ball, which I think kind of fits his skill set. But it's just – I think if he can put it all together, it changes a lot of stuff for this defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you look at other places at edge, I think it's a really big spring for Katie McDaniel. He's going to get – you know, a ton of reps with the ones this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's going to make a move, it's now. He's a guy I loved a lot coming out of high school. Um, I still think he can bring a lot to the table. 6'2", 250 pounds. And then Justice Dingles, the other guy, 280 pounds. Like, he's probably not going to be much of a run – or, excuse me, pass rusher, but he could maybe potentially really help you in short yardage and then some rundowns to come in there situationally and be a, be a plugger. And then the only other question I have is Luke Fulton. Yeah, they got him at they have him at MLB in their little introduction to right. mid-year I saw players. that. I saw that. And yeah, like that's where he was in high school. When you turn mm-hmm. on the senior tape there at Cardinal Mooney, that's what he was. But I also think he had kind of has the size and ability to potentially play some some of that at Sam if they wanted to do that there. So yeah, that's a big question. I mean, if he's at middle linebacker right now, and if he's able to play next year, he could start at Mike. Yeah. It's wide open. You know, we don't transition to there. No question, DeAndre Square is your starting Will Backer. Um, and he's had really good moments. I think durability has been an issue for him, staying healthy yeah, um, yeah, throughout the full 12. But when he's healthy, he's been really good. You go up, you go and turn on some tapes early in the season, the last two years, 
He's been really good. I thought the Auburn game, like, I think the best two games he played you could potentially be the first games of the past two seasons. Toledo, he was awesome. Turn on the Auburn tape, he was pretty good. It's just for him um, staying healthy throughout the full 12. And so you got him, but then after that, it's some questions about where you go from there. And that's the – I think when you – Oh man, I did that thing where I was about to have a really great take. And yeah, and Square was great it. in the bowl game too. The thing with Square, Kentucky's had a lot of success with the kind of undersized Will Backer. He mm-hmm. can be that. Like, like he's probably the most sound and most consistent of them all. But the undersized parts what's killed him because he hasn't been able yeah. to stay healthy. He's just got shoulders here and there, and that's just not being big enough. I mean, you've seen him though each off season like the steady progression of him getting bigger, he's putting in the work. So, uh, you know, you, you just yeah, I don't know if it's more him just being small. It might just be a durability issue. Yeah, Some yeah. pirate guys play and they just get hurt. There's nothing you can really do about it. You just have to learn to play through it. And so for him, it's probably going to be a lot of being able to manage reps, but they're in a bind here because the depth's not really there. Yeah. You got to You expect a lot from Jared Casey. And I think mm-hmm. one person who's going to get caught up in this shuffle in the loss and it's Marquez Bembry. Don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, but there's a, there. I mean, you got a pretty good uh, ace in your back pocket coming in the summer. Yeah, Trevor Wallace. Trevor Wallace. It's just He's getting him here stuck. and finding where he can help you. And mm-hmm. can you get him up to speed um, by the time the season starts? Or is it a thing where he's not really ready till October? November. White said he's a he's a football junkie, so he, yeah. By he, all he, accounts, he's gonna he's gonna come in and do he's everything gonna that right. he's gonna at least put himself in position where he can play how much right. how much of an impact yeah, he's not ri- like he's too. not red shirting he's playing yeah, yeah he's gonna play the full 12 even if it's just on special teams um for some parts of it mm-hmm. i uh I, I think we should also touch you know we, we we hit on it earlier with the defensive backs i think we, we went through them all but my overall the thing that makes me confident about the defensive backs no matter how bad the cornerbacks play, when you got good safety play, they can erase a lot of yep, mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it just it just that's that's how it works. And Yusuf Corker, I mean, Yusuf Corker is your defensive MVP starting right now. Your guy that you need to have yeah. on the football field because he can be he can be 90 tackles, three interceptions. Uh-huh. Like just he can do everything for this defense. He is the key to success defensively. He's your most important player, hands down by far. Yusuf Corker. Yeah, he's going to lead the team in tackles for sure. I would say yeah. he he's he's going to be an absolute stud this year. So having him and having Ty Asian, who I was ready to, I mean, pull whatever hair I had. He was one of the out. surprises last year. Pleasant surprises, I think. Yeah, he really turned it around. Having that there, it's 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 great to have consistent play out of there. Uh, and then having Robinson and Tisdale to kind mm-hmm. of move in and nickel, move in and out, give those other guys uh, breaks here and there. So uh, the safeties can can mitigate a lot of problems if you have any problems with with those cornerbacks early on. Yeah, just safety group in general. I think Kentucky's got one of the best in college football this year. And that's not even talking about Todd Dotson, Joel Williams, mm-hmm. or who are guys I think can play too. Yeah, yeah. So, you, I mean, you got you got a lot of answers there. Williams really, was a bold practice guy too, where they were mm-hmm. all like, "Oh, we get to see him more." Like, dude's pretty good, so mm-hmm. uh, that's exciting. Now yeah, he's a guy that could develop into a potential special team star this yeah. year. Maybe not Vito Tisdale, right. Lauren right. Hammer, but close. Yeah, we feel good about those. It's really just about outside corner. I think yeah. they have two guys that I think you should feel pretty good about. Cedric Dort's played a lot. You know, he's a solid corner. I think Carrington Valentine's got a lot of potential. Um, and he seems to take coaching really well. Like he was ready to come in and play right away, which I said, thanks. They got says a lot about his football IQ. And I think he was coached pretty well there up at Moeller um, that he was ready to come in and contribute like that. Um, he's a guy that I think like you hit certain checkpoints that you could tell in a player, like if they're going to be really good or not, mm-hmm. like Valentine coming in and taking over, like a pretty much backup spot for, for a couple upperclassmen with playing experience that the coaches trusted him that much. And they threw him out there in the bowl game as a starter. I think that that's a, that's a big checkpoint. I think to pass as a freshman, to be able to do that. Um, that's a sign that says this guy is a potential guy who's going to develop into all conference performer, all, um, 
draft pick. Like if he's hit, if he's hitting these marks right now in a position where we don't see true freshmen really play. Um, the only times we did under Snoops, those guys turned out to be pretty good in Westry and mm-hmm. Derek Beatty. Um, so he's hitting some marks early. I think he's a guy that could maybe be a play. We look up and like, whoa, he's one of the, you know, better corners in the SEC. Like this, he's actually one of our better defenders on the team. Um, he's a guy I'm watching for, but I just worry about the depth after them. I think those two, I think you should feel comfortable with. But after that, man, like you got a converted safety in Quandre Mosley, um, playing corner who I'll also play some safety, um, who's going to be a nice versatile piece to have. But after that, you're really leaning on Andrew Phillips. You just, you know, there's a lot of questions there. So, so if you're going to have a coach to handle that, you know, Stoops and Klingsdale are two pretty good ones. Yeah. yeah. They were in They've the same situation two years ago. They benefited from weather, but they got guys ready to play right away. They got Brandon Eccles, a junior college guy, ready to roll right away. Mm-hmm. After a slow start, they they had Dort playing really good football. So, like that, that you trust them to figure it out, but there's just there's not the bodies there. That that would be my concern. That, that those two guys, I think, really need to stay healthy for them. And as we said, kind of off the top, this is this is Brad White's big test. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's passed with flying colors. Um, but you know, it's all about what's next. And he's in a similar situation than he was in his first year, replacing six starters. Uh, and the expectations haven't changed, haven't changed one bit. Um, but they've like risen, it, if anything. Yeah, exactly. Because they've done so stinking well so far. Like we hit on, on, I think everything we did And and uh, oh, I've got Bruce Feldman's hyping up Jamin Davis right now. Gotta love the good Bruce Feldman. Yeah. Book. Yeah. We've seen it's out there. Uh, the Jamin hype train is rolling. I think McShay and Daryl Daniel Jeremiah have them in first round. Yeah, and that's uh, that's good company. So, uh, UK Pro Day that's still a couple of weeks away. It'll be at the end of the March. Um, but first and foremost, spring football. It'll just be exciting to, to hear from players. Uh, you know, hear from guys like Wandale, who we haven't really heard from. I don't think at all. I think he did like a podcast with Curtis Birch, but mm-hmm. a lot of these guys we just haven't heard from. Um, I mean, hell, I don't know if I've ever even interviewed Bo Allen. Like, <laughs> this is how many – I guess he's only been here a year, but, you know. A year two. Uh, Feels like longer, though, for sure. Exactly, exactly. So, it'll be exciting just to get to talk to these guys, and uh, particularly after this basketball season ends prematurely, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be something good. Most talked about spring practice in a long time. And we're going to be here each and every week talking about it. Lucky and I are going to be blogging uh, till our fingers fall off. It's 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 an exciting time to be a Kentucky football fan. And we appreciate you all uh, joining along with us for the ride. Football season never stops, man. We're going to continue to roll on. Excited about spring ball and everything it brings. And uh, we'll see. I cannot wait for spring game. I know spring games can kind of be blow football, but – I think that we're, there's a lot we can take from this year, which is really the exciting part. Heck. Without all everything new, and man, are we going to hire? Are they going to hire a running back coach? Or no, no, they're just. <laughs> so I need to put in good. my resume. Seriously, though, like, yeah. Also, uh, I had a dream they hired Van Hiles to be their running back coach, and I remember thinking, "Wait, he wasn't a running back." So God knows who they're going to hire uh, to fill that void, and it's taken long enough. I don't, I don't know what they're waiting for. They could do like what they did with Bow Knight last year and just drop it in on us. Like, yeah. hey, I this wonder, guy's been coaching well, with us. How they did the Buffano hire? You know, they they took that 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 old last hire and they took their time with that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're just going to sn- sneak maybe a staffer on like a QC they have on staff or whatnot, just kind of. Those other guys have been quarterback guys, though, you know, like, um, like, yeah, this I mean, and, you know, so I, that's the, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. There's another coaching carousel elsewhere. We just, we thought the coaching carousel stopped. Bless Miles. Never ends, buddy. You knew that. You Kansas, I, I tweeted off. something out last night. The Joker Phillips era on Kentucky, the last two years specifically, did, you know, it did a lot of hurt on the program. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. Uh, made the fans quit, for the most part. Um, that Vandy game just look at the you know people were da- as down on this program as ever went. And if you didn't get that hire right, it was going to get really ugly. That was two years for Kentucky. Kansas is going on year twelve of that. <laughs> like that is where they are at. They're in a, a a total tough spot. They've made awful, awful, awful football hires. Continue to make awful hires. 
Just administrative decisions. Yeah. It's just terrible. Fan apathy set in probably, it seems like, eight, nine years ago. No one cares. Every time I turn a Kansas game on, there's like 12 people there. It's just they're kind of a laughing stock, or they are a laughing stock. It's just I, I feel for I feel for the Jayhawk community. Um, so for their sake, I hope they get them right because no one likes that. Like no one, you don't want that from a perspective of just college football. It's not good for somebody to be that bad. And so I hope they fix it. To have twelve years of that, like Nick, could you imagine writing for Kansas Sports Radio and that no. you had to cover? We would not have this many people <laughs> blogging about. Uh, can't yeah. football if we were Kansas Sports Radio, but we're right. the real deal. KSR Holyfield, Kentucky Sports Radio. We're in one more this spring. Yeah. And, Just hire uh, Bobby Petrino. Like you can't get any worse than that. At least he'll come in and bring some receivers. It's get Louisville, get Louisville in a, a bowl game, and let's do God. it. That's <laughs> a fa- that's a fan's famous last word. Just hire Bobby Petrino. <laughs> uh, well, I think this will do it for us today. Uh, but it's been a blast, like it. We aren't slowing down anytime soon. Uh, and let's, let's let's keep you know. You got to get to work, buddy. You're full time now. Get get that axe back to the grindstone, all right? I know. I, I, having too much fun over here. I got to get got to get back to pumping out some words. <laughs> well, until next time, we appreciate y'all listening to us right here on Eleven Personnel. We'll be back before you know it. Till then, remember, go cats, go Kroger.